Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Megan. And this is The Songwriter Diaries. A podcast by songwriters for songwriters. Oh my god, hi. Hello. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) With another one. Another one. Back with another one. Um, we're so honored to have Coulter Lee Brown with us today. Uh, we all went to college together. Mm-hmm. It's yes. so weird to see you via the interwebs the now. And yeah. you're a father and married and like mm-hmm. a real person. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you're like Trying a full, you're full blown adult mode. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. scary. That's incredible. <laughs> um, well, why don't we just dive right in and have you yep. tell us you know, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your journey in music thus far. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so my name's Coulter. Um, I've got a band, Coulter Lee Brown and the Bad Habits. Um, we play music, you know, <laughs> working working on putting some out. Uh, I also play guitar for my wife's band, London's Band. Um, and that's Basically what I, uh, I guess I also work in music um, in my day job, but musically, my music, that's kind of the thing. And um, I've been doing it a long time. I started playing guitar <laughs> in the fifth grade, um, started writing songs pretty soon after, uh, performed for the first time in high school, and then went to yeah University of Colorado, Denver for music, moved back to Houston in 2019. And have been gigging and doing all that kind of stuff since then. So what's your day job? Short of it, Um, I run a music school slash studio. So we've got a place called Rehearsal Room, and I'm the studio director there. Uh, We've got over 200 students there. Um, It's an awesome place that we built um, ourselves. There's each room's a recording studio. We've got a venue in the back. We do bands, oh, wow. we do private lessons, we um, record and produce people. Um, even our bands at the school, we actually, every time, because they do shows like four times a year, um, we record a single for each band and put it on a compilation album and release it on Spotify and stuff. So, wow, If you look up Rehearsal so Room cool. on Spotify, you'll see about five albums of bands from eight years old to 70 songs they've written covers they've done on spotify that we've done and produced and put out for them oh my gosh that's so cool yeah so that's what i do that's my day job is studio director over there and a teacher and then i gig on the weekends and um yeah that's basically i don't really have a day off very often (laughs) uh, in fact yeah i got we drove in from a Dallas gig at 2 a.m. And then I well, woke yeah. up at 7 and pl- did sound at a church and then got home. And now I'm doing this. <laughs> so, no. Oh, my God. No. Kind of constant. I'm a little I don't tired. know how you're alive. I'm oh, you have coffee, tired. though. You have coffee. Yeah, chug that coffee. <laughs> well, because we originally had you booked for later, and then you're like, we could do earlier. And I was like, well, aren't you coming back from Dallas? <laughs> Yes, I, I was gonna um, take off church, and we were gonna drive mm. back today. But then I was like, "Ah, uh, we could. Ju- it's. I'll just. It's fine." Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the funny thing is, um, Saturday nights we try to go to bed early because I've got church in the morning, so I've got to wake up and do that. Um, but sometimes you don't get to sleep till one or two in the morning anyway because Oliver's mm. up, or you know. You can't fall asleep. And I was like, I can just drive home and get basically the same amount of sleep I yeah. usually get. Still be tired. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Once once you <laughs> I know there's a tired that you feel as a college kid. Like mm-hmm. it, you pull an all nighter and you're tired. You've got an eight AM and you're tired. Mm-hmm. Um have a kid. <laughs> so much more tired. <laughs> Like there's, yeah. there are extra levels that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> and so now for me, when I'm thinking like, I'll be tired. It's like, I have not, not been tired in two and a half yeah. years. You know, yeah. it's, it's kind of constant. That's yeah. your base level. It's yeah. Base level is tired. And then you, you sound like, go from there. You sound
sound like such an old man right now. You <laughs> well, and you know, even in school, I was an old man. So just imagine yeah. uh, even yeah. more tired me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. You've fair. always you've always just been a forty year old tired man. You know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Slowly, actually becoming that. I think. Yeah. Not that forty is old. To clarify. No. But I'm no, getting there. Not old. But older I'm, than you actually are. <laughs> yeah. So. I what's funny, because I'm I turned twenty seven this year. And for me, I'm like, wow, late twenties. That's weird. Yeah. Soon yeah. it'll be thirty and then I'll be forty and be like Yeah. Keeps happening. <laughs> I, yeah. Until thirty, like it doesn't really like you hit thirty and then it's kinda like, okay, now what? Now it's just yeah. downhill, well, you know? That's, <laughs> no, me, it's uphill, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like positive. <laughs> I kind of, like, each age group is split up into, like, okay, 20 to 22, your early 20s, right? 23 yeah. to 26, mid-20s. 27, yeah. I was like, that's late 20s. You're getting out you're of late. there. You're so late. So really, I was like, <laughs> it's hap- yeah. this year it's happening. I'm <laughs> becoming happening. an adult. Even though I've been an adult for four years now. You're becoming yeah. a real Eight adult. Eight years now. I don't know. Mm. I don't yeah. know when you start being an adult. Never. <laughs> if you're us, never. Never yeah. really. Yeah. Never yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. You're a kid raising a kid. Yeah. I feel so like true. that's always going to be accurate, though, for anybody. Yeah. I was oh, listening yeah. to a podcast this morning. Um, Chris Evans was on a podcast and he was talking about something and it came up that he was like the mind is basically the only thing that doesn't really age so you talk to 70 mm. year olds and they're like do you feel old and they're like no not really like i'm still <laughs> i still feel how like my body feels old yeah. but like i yeah. feel like myself i've never felt yeah. older you know it's yeah it's a weird thing to think about cuz i know i'll be 30 and be like so when do i feel old like when do i yeah my back yeah. hurts, but it's always kind of hurt. Yeah, yeah. I've always been tired. I've my back has always hurt a little bit. Like, yeah. when do I start this thinking is my I'm face. old? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We need to have a philosophy podcast too. Yeah. yeah. Dive into, dive into these shoots. issues. Yeah. Um, what does your songwriting process look like? Get us um, back on track. Well, it's it's kind of changed. It was for the longest time, um, it's in college especially. It kind of started from a you know acoustic guitar, find chords, hum a thing, say random things. It becomes words. You shape it into a thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's always how I have written. Kind of the brain dump stream of consciousness is where I get lyrics. If I don't like, sometimes you get a line and you write it down and then you try to work it in. But lots Mm -hmm. of the time it's just, Oh, I said this, that almost made sense. Let's make it make sense. Mm -hmm. So that's how I wrote for the longest time. But then kind of since I moved back to Houston, I, you know, started getting recording equipment and, you know, upgrading certain things. And because I didn't have a band with me, so I had to, if I wanted to make music, I had to do it all myself. And from that point on, it's kind of become a thing where I will have a feeling or an idea that I want, or like I hear a song and go, oh, I want to do something that has the feel of whatever song I just heard. And I'll create the bones of it instrumentally first before I even bring melody or lyric to it. So I'll have a loop, like a four-measure loop of a chord progression or a groove on drums, bass, guitar, lead guitar, key. Like I'll have the whole feel of the song done. And then I'll go in and find the melody and the lyric comes from that. So that's, I've almost 180'd on how I used to write because it used to be lyric first, find the song. And then it was Mm -hmm. uh, just spit random stuff and then find it. And now it's mm-hmm. create all the bones and then build build off of that. And it's made me write different songs than I normally would have. Because I, I don't think I've written a song on the acoustic guitar in four years. At least for myself. Oh my me and gosh. Lundish, when I write with her, it's on the acoustic. But I haven't written a song just sit on an acoustic and play it in a long time. 
Wow. wow that's wild. That's really interesting. And like, yeah. we haven't had a guest on in a while that's like kind of had that approach. So it's really interesting to kind of refresh. That's yeah, it's that's really interesting. Well, and that's for me, it was a refresh because I, I felt mm. like I kind of got stuck in the like, okay, these are the chords I know. I can do these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, what can I find over? You know, I yeah, the yeah. creativity had to be in the melody or the lyric. And it got mm-hmm. to the point where I wasn't feeling that creativity anymore. And so mm-hmm. I needed yeah. to find it through a different place. So it was, you know, through the electric guitar. And then I was like, hey, I could make a drum beat to this. And then I can build. So I built the whole track and then found that it was easier to um, find something unique to me. Maybe not unique to music, but for me, it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is an idea that wouldn't have come with just my acoustic. And of course, after I, you know, write the bones of the song, I do like to play it all the way through on the acoustic just Mm. to see, you know, make sure it has, you know, the, um, the core to it, the core progression, the lyric, the melody all work. If I can play it on Mm. the acoustic, it's good, but that's Mm -hmm. not where I start anymore. I kind of start sonically. I want to get the vibe first and then I can find the, the song in it. Love that. Love that. So would you say that you see yourself more as an artist or as a songwriter and why? Oh, I've always seen myself as a songwriter. Like even now when I'm, you know, I play with a band, I play with my band once or twice a month. And then I play with my wife's band once or twice a month. And I, you know, I put out a single last month. I'm putting out another one next month putting out an EP end of the year album next. So I'm doing all this stuff that's artist. You know, I'm an artist. I promote, promote myself as that, but I'm never like, you know, it's, I've always been like, Oh, I, I'm a songwriter. You know, that's my Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course I like that I can be an artist too, but that's never been the, in my head, I'm a songwriter and I play guitar. Those are my two big things. And because okay. I'm those two things, I'm also an artist and I play guitar and help my wife write some songs sometimes. So it's okay. Now I have another songwriter guitar question. equals everything else. Okay. Another philosophical question though. Okay. Go. Why do you say I'm a songwriter that plays guitar rather than I'm a songwriter and a guitarist? Well, I, I do because I don't, I'm not satisfied with where I am as a guitarist yet. And I never will be, mm, but like no. I, I do like on my promo stuff, it says songwriter guitarist, you know, that, that wording is in there. But when yeah. I'm personally thinking like, I know so many better guitarists, you know, there's so many people better and that's not saying I'm not good, but I'm just saying like when I'm, when I'm satisfied with my guitar ability, when I've learned everything I know, I'll market myself as that. Right now, and then, and then you can say, "Songwriter, <laughs> I'm the best at that," and then I'm pretty good at guitar. Yeah, and then that makes me I can be an artist now, I guess. Yeah, because <laughs> you that. are a guitarist. Yeah, like that is that's what you yeah. do in London's band, right? Is yeah, you're yeah. the guitarist. Yeah, you don't. Well, you're not it's... just the guy that plays guitar. <laughs> no, no, no. You're right. You're right. It's true. It's true. Oh no, I'm always. You know, you're your worst critic. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, it's always, for me, I'm never like, you're bad at this, but I am like, you could be better, <laughs> you know, yeah. you could be better. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a mood that like, we should just take that snippet yeah. and like post it somewhere else. <laughs> that is yeah. like so relatable. <laughs> yeah. That's I it. mean, maybe not the best mindset to have, but I feel like <laughs> it's like, pretty inherent to yeah. most artists for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not a unique feeling. Like yeah. every time I, I, I talk about I, it to people, it's like, yeah. I find it's yeah. rare that someone's like, yeah, I got it. I'm good to go. I don't have imposter syndrome. Oh, I'm what's good. that like? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, it's huge. Especially like I have found recently because like one of my songs is getting a little bit of like iHeartRadio play stuff. And I'll <gasps> listen to songs around it or i'll listen Mm -hmm. to other songs that have got that before and i'll be like does my mine doesn't fit like why 
why is mine here? Like it doesn't fit in mm-hmm. this place. And I don't know if that's me just being overcritical or if yeah. it's that little bit of imposter that it's like, mm, I don't think it's, I'm good enough yet. You know, there's a bit of that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I'll never be like, yep. Nailed no. it. You know, there, I don't, there, are, there yeah. are always moments of like, I nailed it. Like in, in mm-hmm. this song that's getting the radio play, Love Marks. It's a song I really, really like of mine, but there are still moments in it that I'm like, man, I wish I was better. So it could have, you know, it could, I don't even know what I want it to be, Yeah, but it's like, <laughs> you know, you always compare. Yeah. And so you always yeah. fall short a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. I feel like every creative person has imposter syndrome. Yeah. At I least bet. to some degree that you're just, you're constantly trying to recover from. Or just, you know, yeah. push past. Um, but, I mean, maybe that's what drives you to keep making, you know, new things is yeah. you feel like you've hit a new gold mine and or a new way of doing it or, a, or a, you know, you're improving because you're doing it more. So you revisit things. And mm. if you didn't have the guy telling you that, you know, you can do better, would you keep doing it sometimes? Yeah. You know? There's always like I play guitar all the time, sometimes mm-hmm. not because I want to do it, but because there's that bit of drive that's like, I can be better at this. Let's keep mm-hmm. doing it. OK, so you moved to Houston. Yes. What is the music scene like in Houston and how does it compare to the other music scenes that you've seen or been a part of? Um, That's a good question. It's. Interesting because I will say that I don't know how, you know, it's an ever-evolving thing like any other music scene, but I'll just compare it to Denver because I was really familiar with Denver. Denver felt very tight-knit, and I think that was because most of Denver music scene, for me at least, was from... Uh, the music program at University Mm -hmm. of Colorado. You know, it was people that knew each other, went out and did stuff and came, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody knew everybody. You could say, hey, so-and-so is playing here. And you'd be like, oh, I know them or know someone who knows them. And we're, Mm -hmm. you know, it it felt very communal. Mm -hmm. Um, And now here coming in, I, because I grew up here, but in high school, I wasn't, you know, gigging around town or anything. Um, mm-hmm. So I came in not knowing anything about it and like had to get into it. London had been gigging around for a long time, but she was mostly gigging in Dallas area. Um, mm-hmm. So we, it was kind of, I gigged with her and kind of saw how she did things and met people through her. And then, you know, met people through doing my own finding my own gigs and I I feel like it's very much a there's a wine bar scene you know wine bars book you to come and play throughout the area and then there's a bar bar scene where it's like these (laughs) here's a dive bar Mm -hmm. come play here and then you kind of lots of it is restaurants who want musicians you go play Mm -hmm. that that is all kind of at the ground floor you know it's people Mm -hmm. that kind of pay musicians you know um and they want solo to duo acts that's kind of entry level and i don't know if that's everywhere but that's definitely how houston houston works and then once you kind of get your legs in that you kind of bump up to like oh this is a bigger venue still a restaurant still a bar but they're Mm -hmm. booking full bands and they're doing this and they're doing that and those shows are kind of what leads to you meeting other artists. Because mm-hmm. I've uh, a big one for us is the Rustic recently. And there's two locations in Houston, and there's one in Dallas, and there's one in San Antonio. They're kind of all over down here. And um, tons of people play them, you know. So, like, my band will play, London's band will play, I'll play them solo, she'll play them solo. The owner of the school I'm studio director of plays them with his band, or he plays them solo. And then you meet the artists that play before you and play after you because they book four artists a day, Thursday through Saturday. So it's like Mm. you're kind of always bumping into people. And then um, there's 
a big social media presence. So they'll tag mm, whoever's coming yeah. and whatever. So when you follow them, you're seeing who's going there and you're following, you know, that's kind of how I have found a way to connect with a scene here is you kind mm. of just rub elbows with people passing you, yeah. follow the places they follow and then follow, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a friend of a friend mm-hmm. said this and eventually you meet mm-hmm. them and it's great. But then all of that leads into, you know, uh, booking, you know, actual shows. I kind of think of them as gigs versus shows. You know, a gig is a restaurant mm-hmm. bar that's paying you mm-hmm. so-and-so to play for three hours. And then a show is like, okay, I'm selling tickets. Please come see me. Um, mm-hmm. And to get those show bookings, it's great to know people. And it's great to be able to say, hey, I've been playing these, you know, gigs um, and this is who books for those and they'll vouch for me. And people are like, oh yeah, I know him. He's brought me the, you know, it's, it's a slow, mm-hmm. it's been a slow build for me. I've been here for four years now and just played my first full band ticketed show this past June. Um, oh, and it was wow. great. We sold like 200 tickets. We had a really good crowd. The place wow. booked us to play their smaller venue in November. So we're doing that from oh, our incredible. EP release show. Um, so like, it feels like I'm just now getting some footing in the, you know, third level of this kind of music scene, Mm -hmm. but it's a, it's an interesting thing because you do one for like, we were playing at the little bars and vineyards and wineries for two or three years or yeah, about two years. And you get to the point where you're like, man, if we can start playing the rustic, that would be great. And then yeah. you get there mm-hmm. and you do that for a year or so. And then you're like, mm-hmm. man, now, you know, I'm ready yeah, to level yeah. up a little bit. So yeah. it's a constant kind of, I can only speak in Denver to, like I played a couple of these kind of restaurant thingies in Denver, but mostly it was, hey, I have a show and I know about 200 people from school who are going to come to it. You know, it yeah. felt <laughs> like very built in, which yeah. was awesome. It's an, an amazing thing for that, that community. But then mm-hmm. it was a little bit, I came here and was like, I don't know anybody. How do I? Yeah. Do I, you have to like it, rework I, your way I, up. You know, mm-hmm. one of the yeah. first ones that I got booked on is a, a place in College Station, which is um, about an mm-hmm. hour from me. It's A&M is, yep. is College Station. And they've, so they've got a little college scene, college town, and they do a lot of live music and some random hotel bar saw a random Instagram post from me and messaged me on Instagram and said, Hey, you want to come play? And I was like, yes, please. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll come play. Yeah. And so it's, that was kind of my first like, Ooh, okay. Social media is huge here. And so big for me is just. You know, any artist I see that has played anywhere that I've played in the area, I follow and I'll message and be like, hey, how's it going? I'm also a musician in your area. Yeah. Hope it's going good, you know, and I might never speak to them again. I might like one post out of a hundred I see, but then in a year, if I'm looking for an opener or an in at a certain venue, I'll be like, hey, man, remember, you know. Give me a hint to how you get into this place. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've yeah. kind of got to search for your the scene. But then once you're here, you know, people just start connecting and connecting and connecting. Yeah. So that's that's been yeah. super cool recently for me. That's, that's awesome. awesome. And 200 tickets. That's so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really good. What's the venue that you played? Um, it's called Dosi Do, um, the Dosi Do Big Barn. It's in the Woodlands, which is um, kind of a one of our little Houston suburbs. Um, mm, but it's nice. it's a really cool venue. Um, their capacity is probably like 250 of good seats and then they've 300 of like, they've got pillars and obstructed seats, mm. and, you know, sell for mm. discounted ticket. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I played there with um, we me and uh, Keaton Kaufman, who's the owner of the school that I'm the director of. We co-headlined mm. it and kind wow. of really pushed to get people there and yeah sold yeah. about 200 tickets and it was a really really fun night that's but so yeah cool. it's it's a cool venue that's i mean biggest crowd i've ever played to of like 
people that paid to be there, <laughs> which is, yeah. which is, yeah. yeah, I've probably played to 200 people who didn't care, but yeah. Oh, yeah. those people were there to see us play, which was a really fun yeah. atmosphere to have. That's so, so now, cool. Now it's all downhill, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, yeah. we finished that show and I was, cause Keaton's done it a couple times, you know, he's, he's a, a songwriter and musician who's been kind of doing this scene in Houston and Dallas area for, for a long time. And I was kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, we hit like, it feel, you know, it's those levels I was talking about. I was like, I feel yeah. like we hit this level. How do I not go back? To, like, how do I not yeah. go back? And he's like, well, you never will because you've hit, you know, you're there. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you've got to just find the next, the next thing to do. Cause like mm-hmm. we played that show. And the next week I played a gig at the rustic with my band for 20 people mm-hmm. who didn't care. And you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a little bit of a, like, ah, remember yeah. you're still, still doing this. Yeah. But that's, that's part of it. You know, it's part of mm-hmm. the, the grind of playing live music, trying to play live music. But, you know, I've also recently just been messaging because there's a lot of, you know, smaller Lost Lake size venues, you know, 200 cap, 300 cap venues in the area that um, touring acts come through or local acts play. And anytime I see anyone that I like or recognize or has a similar sound, I'll just message on Instagram and be like, hey, do you need an opener? Let me know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Hasn't panned out yet, but who knows? One day someone's going to be like, yeah, come open for Yes. So. You got to yeah. shoot your shot. Yeah. Like, what, to. what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. They're going to block you. Yeah. The worst thing is that they're going to be like, this dude's creepy block. Man, and then this you never have to do it. super sweet text I just got saying, this yeah. dude loves my music and wants to open for me. Block. <laughs> like, yeah. what's going to yeah. happen? <laughs> you're going to say no, and you're going to go, cool. I wasn't expecting yeah. to anyway. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Literally. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the biggest lesson you've you've had to learn while pursuing your music career? Um man, I don't see the the thing with that is I don't know if I've like learned anything. <laughs> like I've um things have happened and I've adjusted. <laughs> but um um for, well, and it's it's because it goes back to that that point of like um, you're always your worst critic, you know that kind of mm. thing. It's like I've found that you know I I'm always overcritical of certain th- aspects of you know my own music and you know my live shows and my performances. And maybe something I've learned is to just turn it off sometimes, turn it off mm. when it's not helpful. Because sometimes it's yeah. helpful. You know, you're you're writing a song, you write the song, and then the critic needs to come out or else mm-hmm. it's bad, you know. Or you're producing a song with someone or I'm getting a mix of my song. I've got to be critical because it's like, hey, it needs to sound how how it needs to sound. So it's good there, but, you know, playing a show like one of these gigs I've been talking about, going up there and being like, man. I flubbed that second note on that solo of my original song that no one listened to. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to beat myself up for that. So Mm -hmm. I think, I think the big thing I've learned at least in regards to live, you know, playing live is not, you know, every show matters, but not every show really matters. You know, sometimes (laughs) you're doing it to, you're doing it to do it. You're getting reps Mm -hmm. in and that's not a bad thing. You know, sometimes a gig Mm -hmm. like that is a rehearsal for my band. I go, hey, Mm -hmm. I know we've practiced this song once. Let's try it. Let's see how it goes. It's like, here's a new song. Let's try it. Or even for me, I'll be like, man, I'm never like, I always, this solo always sucks. (laughs) It's like, I Mm -hmm. always am flat on this chorus. So it's like, I'm only going to focus on that chorus. Everything else, whatever. You know, it's, you're, I really treat them like it's a practice in live performing, but also just in our, our playing as a band lots of the time. Yeah. I, I played a solo gig on a Friday and, um, did like eight covers that I haven't done in three years. 
I was just <laughs> scrolling through my thing. And I was like, I'll try that one. Yeah. I played it and I was like, ooh, not going to do that one again. <laughs> like that one, that one's not good. Um, you know, so it's, oh it's kind God. of, it's a good, it's a good arena for that because yeah. no one really cares. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also not taking yourself too seriously with it. If I'm yeah. up there being an artiste for a gig <laughs> in a bar, what's the point when I can yeah. just, you know, work, yeah. work some new material and see if it's has any legs. Yeah. Mm. That's such a good point. Yeah. I think it's so hard because I'm like, part of me is like, it's good to play every gig. Like it's so important, but it is. for those gigs, it it's is. like, it is. But and I, then it's, it's not, you know, like, yeah, I think, I think you, you find you, um, you know, important for different reasons, you know, yeah. this, this exactly. gig that I played, um, like, uh, oh, this is kind of how I like to think of it is, um, there are three or four kind of check marks for every gig or show. It's like mm. the pay is of course one. And mm-hmm. then there's, is it fulfilling for me as an artist? And mm-hmm. then there's, um, does it advance my career in any way? Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you go through that checklist and if it doesn't hit at least two of those, don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. the um, it could be a gig that's super fulfilling, like you're playing with cool people and it's a cool venue and it's advancing your career because you're making connections, but you maybe don't get the best pay. Okay, yeah. play that gig. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. like one of these other gigs, it's like, they're paying me really good. I don't love the music I've got to play. I've got to play for three hours. Oh, but I'm, you know, at a venue I haven't played before. It's like, okay, do that one. You know, you can find, mm-hmm. if, uh, you start to get burnt out when you are playing those one, one out of three gigs. You play too many yeah. of those in a row and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, so one of those things isn't being met. You know, I'm either not making any money or my soul has been drained because I've only been making money (laughs) and I've been playing, you know, covers for five years, you know? So it's kind of finding that balance. Yeah. Wow. That's so well said. So well said. Thanks, guys. Philosophical (laughs) over here. I'm a songwriter. Philosophical. (laughs) Sometimes I know words. Okay. (laughs) I feel like you're going to know the answer to this question right off the bat if you could put a bill together with three artists dead or alive who would you choose Mm. okay like i feel like this is something you've thought of before is it a is it a bill that i am watching like it's a bill that i'm going to see well you're playing it but you get three other acts that that makes it okay but you can answer the other way too if you want. Well, it's it's an interesting thing because for me, like, I with my mindset, I'm thinking like, okay, um, who am I good enough to play with? But no. also like, okay, who wouldn't no. upstage <laughs> me? Like, I don't want to if I'm the headliner, and uh, you, know. you can be <laughs> okay. Let's you can be the opener. opener. You're yeah, the opener. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the first slot. It just for? goes up. Yeah, I'm at, I'm, at, yeah. I'm at a festival and I'm on the small <laughs> stage in the corner. And yep. there's a couple mm-hmm. of the big stages yep. on the other side. <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, and you get threes, three other artists. I, I any time that, hmm, because I, I feel like there's tons of ways to think about it, and I'm just gonna go like the the first ones that come to mind. Um, for me, any time that I'm compared to certain artists, it's a big compliment, right? So those are who I'm mm-hmm. going to think of. So it's like when someone's like, man, those lyrics sound like Jason Isbell lyrics. I'm like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's a mm-hmm. he's a top lyricist for me. So good. So mm-hmm. Jason Isbell and his band would be awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I would love, you know, it might be the uh, the modern, modern uh, guitar player cop out of John Mayer but he's always been one of my I knew you anytime were anyone's say John like Mayer. hey this song gives me John Mayer vibes I'm like cool like it's <laughs> th- that compliment has evolved for me over over the years where originally it was like only like oh thank you so much and now you get to the point where you're like yeah but it's me like 
I'm mm-hmm. not John Mayer. Like that's my, yeah. you know, it's my thing. But yeah. I, it's always taken as a compliment because it's intended as an, a compliment. So it's mm. like John Mayer, Jason Isbell. And then the third one is hard because I could go for like a little little bit of a change up in the vibe or I could stick with the vibe. Because um, I, feel, I feel like this is a whole different bill, but I'll go... Um, Ariel Posen, he's a um really really good like modern rock blues slide player, and he's oh. phenomenal. I really really like oh, his stuff. Wow. And I've he's never even someone, heard of him. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's someone who's not super huge. I mean, I'm sure a ton of guitarists know him, but he's so good. And I think wow. he is a good bridge between Jason Isbell and John Mayer. I, I feel like they <laughs> would all, like, it's a similar vibe. Um, nice. Some that didn't make the list. Hosier is oh. <laughs> one of my all-time Hosier, favorite you didn't make the cut. <laughs> lyricist. Oh, he made the cut. It's a different bill. That's the next different. one. Um, and then Dawes was the other one that I mm. was thinking of. Because I, yep. once oh, again, man. their lyrics are some of my favorites so good yeah so i would really like those, Dawes. yeah mm-hmm. yeah if if i could get taken off the bill and we could put, put hosier on and dawes and mm-hmm. then you could just watch show right there yeah you can I'll, I'll open in the parking lot i'll busk in the parking lot for that show you might be one of the first people who hasn't picked someone that's dead well, i'm thinking realistically like if i could oh. play with those guys of course if i could be like Man, I'll open for Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimi Hendrix. It's not going to happen, man. It's too late. Well, <laughs> it's too late, though. But, time travel. Yeah, time travel. Uh, it doesn't yeah. exist. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> not yet. Nope. Not yet, anyway. Nope. We'll see. Cut. <laughs> well, I can't believe it, but we've come to the time where it's our last oh. question. Okay. Let's no, and the last question I talk is... a lot, guys. I'm sorry. Slots no, it's been, this has been perfect. Uh, no, no been we love a so ramble. Good. My, my yeah, favorite yeah. is you'll ask a question and I'll start talking about it. And then by the end of my answer, I'm like, man, did I even answer <laughs> you the have. question? What was really? the question? No, you did <laughs> great. Qu- like I need them on my screen so I don't get <laughs> <Yeah>. off topic. <laughs> so the last question is, and this is easy mm-hmm. or hard. Um, <laughs> we'll why do you write songs? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've always done it, you know? there's I, I started teaching myself the guitar in the fifth grade, like picked it up. My mom had an acoustic guitar that she bought for herself and then kind of quit. Like she was like, I can't do it. I'm not doing it. Mm. And so I grabbed it and we had a couple of those like little song books with the chord graphs in the top corner. So I just yeah. taught myself from that. And as soon as I knew a chord, I was making up stuff of my own to go with the chord. And so it kind of always happened. And b- before I even started playing guitar, I was, you know, writing little short stories in my journals as a eight year old, how like fifth grade, how mm-hmm. old is that? Fourth grade. But so I was al- already writing. And then I just added the music came and I was like, Hey, I can do them both. I can do them together. And so now like I, I, there's never a time where I like writer's block doesn't exist for me. Um, And that's not saying that there are times when I'm unsatisfied with what I've written. Mm -hmm. I'll write a thing or have an idea and it'll be bad. And so that'll get pushed aside. (laughs) But it's all, there's always an idea, you know, I've, I've got, I keep, I write all my songs in my um, drafts of my email. Um, what? Because I can access <laughs> it from any computer. Like I can log into my laptop and pull up my drafts and my lyrics. Are I love how you I pull just, it up on my I love, or my iPad. you instantly started justifying. You instantly were like, well, there's this, a is why I did it. this is why I did it. This is why. There's a reason. It's weird. Like there's a reason. Google Drive or something. Mm-mm. No. No. Well, and it's probably because I started doing this before I knew any of that existed. And so now mm. it's too late. I'm I'm in too deep. You're like yeah, it's, you're it's in. a bad habit. It's yeah. 
but so um he didn't even get it meg no (laughs) i did get it no you did coulter didn't I did oh, a bad no, habit. I, I moved yeah. fast. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Registered, moved fast. Everyone listening is going to be like, wow, Coulter and Caroline do not get along. They're bullying no. each other this whole they time. They don't like each other very much, do they? No. <laughs> but that's like, there's always just random, you know, you come up with a random line when you're driving in the car and I'll just voice memo it into my drafts folder. And then when you're writing, you look and see if there's anything good there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the the songwriting I write because it's always happening and I'm just letting it happen. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's good. Sometimes it is forgotten. Sometimes it doesn't need to <laughs> yeah. see the light of day. But I like sometimes... that answer. I feel like that kind of keeps the pressure off of it too. Yeah. Like it's just something yeah. that happens. It's just something that you do. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. I, I think I, I got to that point because there was too much pressure on it. Like it was yeah. in like 2020 yeah. where I was intentionally writing for this album that comes out next year. Um, that album, I started writing for this album in 2019. And so in 2020, I was writing for the album. So every song I wrote, mm. I was like, it's got to make the album. It's got to be good enough to make the album. And it got to the point where I was like, everything sucks. This is all bad. <laughs> Throw it out. Um, mm. And then I kind of, let the pressure off and was just like write a song if it's good enough it'll make the album if it's not good enough it's not Mm. going to so i i ended up with like 40 or 50 songs demoed out and was like yep i've got about 15 that are good enough i'll cut that down to 12 or 13 and then have some extras and see where the rest end up something Mm -hmm. that also let the pressure off was like the song doesn't have to be good and if you've got a lot of good songs they all don't have to come out at the same time. Like I can save some mm. for later and they'll still be mm-hmm. a good song. And if they're not yeah. a good song anymore, maybe they never mm. were. So mm. yeah. Deep song well, doesn't you, get bad. Talked about... It's always bad. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Why did I feel like you were looking us in the eyes when you said that? <laughs> that was always no. bad. We're okay. The well, audience think, in the eye. It's a, there is if a song, if you listen to a song and you go, man, it's great. And then a week later, you're like, no, it's a bad song. It was never very good. Mm. You might have just been yeah. like in a good mood when you heard it. But yeah. even the songs <laughs> that you hear a hundred times and you might be sick of, you can still go, oh, it's a good song. I don't want to listen to it right now, but it's a good song. Yeah. If the yeah. song is bad, it probably mm-hmm. was never very good. <laughs> But some songs are so bad that they're good. Hmm. Like what? I don't know. I'm trying to. Th- I think I don't know. But there Call are like certain maybe. songs. Call Me Maybe is a good song. It's a good pop it, song. Yeah. If you or is if it you, so bad? If you look at that song, it is a well-written, good, intentional song. It might not be your cup of tea. It might not be the song you go to. You know, there are better songs. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a bad song. Yeah. Okay, well, um, what's a bad song? Example. I I don't um I try to find good good stuff in every song, but <laughs> I so hate positive. B52s. I think You hate the Rock B-52s? Lobster is a bad song. <laughs> Okay, but it's so bad, it's good. You don't get happy no, when you hear that song. No, I, I think it's agree. just it's bad. It's so bad, it's so good. It's, it's so, so bad, bad, it's so good. Because there Rock are bands stuff. that do stuff that sounds like that, and it's good. Okay, they well, do it, and it sounds like that. You're too into bad. the comparing thing, though. No. This is Rock Lobster I, on its own. Rock Lobster came on, entity. and I went, this might be the worst song I've ever heard in my life. And then it well, kept that's playing, and I something. kept thinking, "This is still bad." But it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun, but it's not good. <laughs> yeah, anyway, maybe what maybe what I'm realizing. I, I can't. I can't stand the B fifty twos. Not Every everything other music I can find something. <laughs> oh my god! Not everything that you like has to be good. I think that no, maybe it's just so bad that I like it because it's so bad. Doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. yeah. But you yeah. can enjoy you things can that are that. bad. You, you can, can enjoy things that. that are bad. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> I don't. I don't enjoy things that are bad. It's like reality TV. Reality TV is trash. Do I enjoy watching it? Absolutely. Yes, but uh, yeah. For me, for me, I think is it doing what it set out to do? And if it is, is it it trash? And so so. did Rock Lobster. I mean, you think they set out to make the worst song in history? Because I don't. They they already had so many hits, you know. They're like, ah, oh, we'll just throw the sincerest apologies to the B fifty twos. Yeah, <laughs> Love Shack is a bop. Love Shack is barely Love redeemable. Shack, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is what, a... it's the rhythm to CPR, so it's good for something. <laughs> no, is it? I thought that was yeah. staying alive. That was staying alive? Did they change the it rules? It keeps changing. Oh. Uh... I haven't been up to date but I think on the my first CPR like, And then staying alive. Oh, no, they're pretty. Staying alive is a little <laughs> slower, I think. <laughs> you started alive, doing Love yeah. Shack, but you were doing like a little syncopation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that would not be good. That would not be good in a CPR situation. Yeah, you can't can't do okay. a syncopated heartbeat. So. You talked about this song earlier in the podcast, Love Marks, and that's mm-hmm. the song that we're ending the episode with. So can you give us a little who, what, where, when, why on this song? Yeah. Um, I wrote it in 2019. It was the first song that – it was the song that inspired this album that I'm putting out in 2024. Um, but it, it was the first one. It kind of um, – it was the first song I wrote entirely on the electric guitar. It was the first song that I like. I, I feel like it was the song that I found the sound I wanted to have. Because, you know, I had been writing for a long, long time before that and always felt like, ah, this isn't quite like I don't know where I fit. Um, and that was one that I wrote it and I was like, okay, this is the, you know, I found the lane. And it, you know, I went through a breakup. And after I was done, like, crying on the couch for a week, this song happened in, like, 30 30 minutes. You know, I picked up a guitar, and um, one of my buddies, Seeger, um, had showed me a chord inversion that I hadn't used before. And so I came up with a riff from it, and then the song happened in, like, 30 minutes. Um, And it all came from that, that chorus, the Sugar Took Her Top Off line, came out of one of those, like, word vomit things i was just trying Mm. to say stuff that rhymed with the melody and that line happened and i was like "Ooh, i like that and so it kind Mm -hmm. of jumped from there and by the end of that like hour writing i was finished with the song and i messaged a producer the next day and had it recorded in the month and then i put it out so it was like quick 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 um because it was just one that you know i feel like the best songs happen when you're not um, when you kind of turn off the filter, they just come out yeah. and there's a song, the song's done. And then you kind of mess with it from there, but it happened real quick. And I was like, cool song's done. Here it is. So, yeah. and yeah, it's, I put it out in 2019 and, um, it is <laughs> get started to actually get some traction two months ago. <laughs> so that's incredible though (laughs) yeah yeah got a new song coming out um next month what's this month july comes out august and then yeah we're releasing another single after that and an ep in november so yes after you listen to this go listen to the single this is love marks by coulter lee brown Got here really- 
Calling her. 